Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. to expressing our worship, what we do on the outside is a key indicator of what is happening on the inside. In other words, if we are in this place of worship, regardless of the jam, regardless of the song, regardless of the message, if we're in this place of worship and we are just sitting and observing, then that means that our spirit is quiet and nothing is really happening on the inside. If, if, if we are in this place of worship and they are singing a song unto God and, and, the, and the words are just really giving praise and honor to God and we are just observers, then that tells not me, but it tells God that nothing is happening on the outside, on the inside. Now, I'm not saying that we all have a specific and a particular way of worship. Um, as, as I've shared with you in the past, historically speaking, there was no set routine. And if I was to do a survey of just about every church, Justin Mableton alone, I can guarantee that each and every one of us has a unique worship style. I guarantee it. But there are certain things in each and every one of the churches here in this area that is unique and it, uh, that, is, that is consistent uh, uh, in terms of our ritual. I, get, I bet you if you left this place today and went to the church around the corner, they sang some songs, and in a minute the pastor's going to preach, right? If, if you go to the church down the block, they, they also sang some songs, and, and there's a person, male or female, that's going to stand up before a group of people and preach, if you go just down the block to the church this way, that may have a whole bunch of people. They may sing some songs, and in the end, there's a person with a title called preacher that's going to preach. And, th- and those are normal and, and, and regular tools of the ritualistic nature of worship in every church in America. But what we cannot get caught upon is the ritual and focus more so on the heart. And so when we come into this place, if your heart is truly connected to and you are in a place of worship, that should come over, your worship comes from the overflow of your heart. So much so that your your heart is so overflowing that your body cannot even be controlled. Your, Your language cannot even be controlled. I will admit that I'm not a great singer. I believe it or not, I'm gonna share a secret with you all, okay? Don't y'all laugh. If you laugh, I know where everybody lives. I used to be in a boy band. I said, don't laugh. Tia, you laughing the loudest. I said, don't laugh. I did. And the band was called Invitation Only. So there was a point in my life where I could. Yeah, it's going to be like that. But there was a point in my life 
where I could carry a note. There was a point in my life where I could carry a note. And throughout my entire high school career, I sang in the choir or chorus, as we called it. So I could carry a note. But something happened over the years. I stopped singing. So now I sing loud and off key. But I don't care because I'm not singing to an audience of 50. I'm not singing to an audience of 40 or 30. I'm singing to an audience of one, and his name is Jesus. Because my heart is so in tune with him, you may see me walk all across the front here and all over the place just acting, and I don't care because I'm singing to an audience of one. If, if, if I wouldn't get in trouble, I would kind of be like David and just dance until my clothes fell off to show my worship to my God. Let me talk about that before I get into where I really want to go so that we can understand that. Here it is, this man of great, uh, uh, of great respect, a king at this time. He's held on the highest pedestal next to God in the eyes of those people who follow him. But he loved his God more than he cared about the opinion of the people that, he, uh, that served him, I should say, because he didn't serve them. They served him. He cared more about his God than their opinion, got into the center of the court, started praising God, started stripping out of his clothes. The people were looking at him like, look at our king. And that's, and that's really how I feel sometimes. Like I want to get naked and just like, I don't care about y'all. Because I want, I want God to just say, I don't want nothing prohibiting me from giving my greatest expression of gratitude and praise to my God for what he's done for me so far in my life. And that was David who defeated armies, who was a shepherd boy. God was with him every step of the way. He, 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 God helped him defeat this giant with only a couple stones. I mean, he's done amazing stuff, defeated armies. God uh, forgave him for the sins he committed. So David's like, because of all of that, I'm going to dance until I ain't got no more clothes on. And it's crazy, right? It's radical, right? But each and every one of us should have that same desire. I don't think David sat there and in his mind said, you know what, today I feel like getting naked before God. He didn't plan that. He just got into a place, gotten got into a place where he was just like totally transparent with God and he couldn't do anything else. That song we sing, I'm gonna lift my hands until I can reach heaven. My goodness. For the first time in my life, I wish I would stretch Armstrong and that my arms could really reach all the way up there, like to just touch him, to just give him a death, to hug him and embrace him. That's that's what you call radical worship. And that's exactly what David was, was demonstrating when he danced until he got down to his fruit of a looms. Amen. Let me get into some message here. Our scripture this, this morning is going to come from John Fourth chapter, verses 23 and 24. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let, let, let me just give you a little back, back history real quick, and then I'm going to rush through this because I want, I want you all to get this. So here it is. Jesus, 
he has to cut through this particular area. He, he, he left Galilee, and he was cutting through this area. They, they found out he was baptizing folk, and he was kind of on the run. But in order to get to where he had to get, he had to cut through this area, which, were, which was full of Samaritans, full of them. And he got to a place, Jacob's well. Now, we don't know historically if Jacob actually dug the well or if, his, if Jacob and his forefathers, that was just where they went and got, got their water, whatever. But he stopped at this place to rest as he was on his journey, escaping these people who were coming against him. And while he's there, he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman. And she says, she's trying to get some water. And he says, hey, 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 you know, can you give me a little sip of that water? And the story goes, you know, they had this little back and forth conversation. No, I'm, you know, you don't even have a rope and, you know, aren't you a Jew? And he starts telling her her business. Hey, you know, where's your husband? I don't have a husband. He's like, yeah, you're right. You got about five of them. You know, he starts telling her about herself, right? And then, then, then he trips her up. He says, you know what? Once, once he got her in a place where, where he could prophesy to her and she realized who he is, he gets her to a place where she's like, oh, you must be a prophet because you all up in my business. You, you know who I am. You done pulled up in my driveway and, and, and kind of made yourself comfortable. You all up in my stuff. You must be a prophet. So he gets her to that point, and he says, I tell you what, if you come and follow me and listen to what I got to say, I'm going to give you water where you'll never be thirsty again. Now, imagine you about to go into the well of the well. You about to get the water from the well from your, for your, from your ancestors, Jacob and his, his forefathers and stuff. And you about to get this water. But here it is. Jesus says, I got water better than that. In her small mind, she's like, it's impossible. This is the well of the well. Everybody from miles away come to this well. This is the well where there's no more, there's no purer water anywhere else. This is the well. How can you give me better water than what Jacob can give me? And he says, come with me. I will give you water where you will never thirst again. So now she's wondering. She's like, wait a minute. Okay, you are, you're a Jew. You're a Jew, right? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, she said, you guys got it wrong. We Samaritans, we, we, we worship right here in Mount Gerizim. Uh, uh, we worship the right God. We worship the God of Israel right here. Y'all can catch this in a minute. I'm about to make this plain. Right here in Israel. We, we worship the God of Israel right here on Mount Gerizim. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you got it. You got it wrong. Because here's what has happened. You guys are worshiping the right God, but you've limited him. To just this mountain. And so what I want to tell you today, my sister, is that there is a time that is coming where we all will worship God in spirit and in truth. And God is spirit. What I want to tell you is it won't matter where we worship because God is all over. It's how we worship that will matter. And we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right there, he totally shot down everything that she ever thought about worship. Everything she ever believed, from when she was a little old girl to, to a grown woman, everything that she thought, how her training was, how she worshipped, the posture she had, where she worshipped, he shut down with that one thing saying, there's a time that is coming and the time is now where we will worship God in spirit and truth. And it won't matter where it's at. It's, what matters is your heart. He shut her down. What happens? She leaves, go tells everybody. And in case y'all didn't know, she was one of his disciples. She never, ever worshiped on the mountain again. 
She followed him wherever he went. Wherever he worshiped, she worshiped. She became one of his disciples. She became one of his disciples. So here's what I want to tell you all. For those who wait for Sunday morning to come to this place to worship, we no longer have to do that. In case you didn't know, I'm just sending that memo. You can worship. I know there are rules. For instance, you can't really pray and stuff in school publicly. That's fine. I'm going to find the parking lot. You can't tell me not to pray in the parking lot and worship my God. I know some of your jobs will not allow you to have religious stuff and all of that, but you can still worship. And I'm going to give you three ways you can do that today. There's a time now where we must worship God in spirit and in truth. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this. He is seeking. God is seeking. He's looking for true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, my hope, my brothers and sisters, today is that you all become those true worshipers. We won't wait for the lyrics to be on the screen. Dag, I meant to do that thing today. I forgot. I was going to trick y'all and have the wrong song on on purpose and see what y'all did. But because we had new sync, no, 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 that's right. That's just a challenge for your worship. It can't be codependent. It has to be independent. Amen? And so... But we had new singers. By the way, I failed to say welcome. Hand round of applause for our new singers. Sorry about that. Thank you, Candy and Candice. I'm sorry. And, uh, and uh, I did not mean Candy. I'm sorry. Look, our husband's like, man, that's, that's my nickname for my wife. What's wrong with you? I was, yeah, I was, I started thinking about CrossFit. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, brother. And Elizabeth, thank you. Tina, thank you as well, new percussionist. So. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Wow. Got me nervous up here. We good? All right. Good. All right, back to what I was saying here. Let me tell you some truths about our God. First of all, you got to understand the spirit. And it says we must worship God in spirit. It's simple. You don't have to guess that. We don't have to do an exegetical study on who the Spirit is. Why? Because the text tells us. It says, watch this. It says, for God is Spirit. Enough said. We must worship the Father in spirit and truth. So, in other words, we must worship God. He is the object, the subject, and the focus of our worship. Not pastor, not your church, not your neighbor, not your wife, not your boo, not your child, but God is is the object, subject, and focus of our worship. That is our spirit. It's all toward him. And our heart must be connected to him in worship. Okay? We got that part. Everybody understand spirit, right? Okay, let me talk about the truth, some truths of God. The other thing, just taken from this scripture, we must understand that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. We don't have to come to a place. That was old school. That was the old covenant where they did set up the tabernacle. They did set up temples and stuff to worship him. That's old school. Jesus gave the sacrifice. We no longer have to go to a place. Wherever we go, God is there. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He's in the bathroom with you. He's in the bedroom with you. Don't let that change what y'all do. Uh, he's at your job. He's in your car. He's everywhere. He's on the mountain. He's on the track when you're running. He's at Cross Fitness. He's everywhere. Wherever you are, wherever you are, God is there. He is omnipresent. Remember that. He is omnipotent. Omnipotent. He is all 
powerful. In other words, when you are weak, you can rely on him and his strength. As a matter of fact, he commands that we rely on his strength, right? He is omnipotent. He has all power, all strength. He is the most powerful person you will ever know and ever meet in your lifetime. He is omnipotent. Remember that. Here's the other thing. He is omniscient. He is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing. Yeah, he knows when you sin. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. So be good for goodness sake. I know they wrote the song for Santa Claus, but it was meant to be for God. Can I preach this morning? He is all-knowing. So when you try to hide your sin, he's looking at you like, all right, I'm going to forgive you, but just go ahead and confess it. And that's what he says. Confess your sins one to another. He just wait. He already knows it. He knows when you're thinking about it. He knows when you're going to do it, and he knows the exact hour you'll call upon his name. It's designed that way. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent, and he is omniscient. He knows everything. Watch this. To worship God in spirit means that we worship him not just in the outward, but from the heart, Right? To worship God in truth means that my worship, your worship, our worship is found in relationship. It's found in relationship with God that is based on a truth that he is omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent, rather omnipotent, Lord have mercy, omnipotent and omniscient. Yes, I was one of those kids in school who messed that word up. Judge me not. Okay? Based upon those truths, here's the other truth that he has commands for us that we all must follow. And when we follow and obey his commands, that also is worship. Following his commands, remembering who he is, what he does, all of that is worship. Notice I did not say singing and preaching was worship. I said, everything that we do for God is worship. Because if we sing, and, and our whole focus is just on singing, no matter how much we sing praise to God, no matter how much we sing about his greatness, if we don't include his greatness in what we're doing, we're singing for the joy of the audience of those who are listening. I can sing... I'm going to lift my hands until I can reach heaven. I'm going to shout your name. Oh, how great thou art. How great thou art. I can sing that all day. Do some runs and all of that stuff. But if, but, but, but if, but if he is not part of it, if I'm not singing to him and I'm only singing about him, then you are the audience and he is not. You get, you get the difference? Huh? I can do it again, but I, 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 don't, I think y'all are smart enough to catch that. He has to be a part of the worship. He is the focus, the subject, and the object of our worship. There are three kinds of worship I want to give you today. We're going we're gonna to move this along. Three kinds of worship. Ready? If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, the first type of worship, the, three kind, the first kind of worship I want to share with you is there's worship that involves speaking. There is worship that involves speaking. That includes singing. That includes preaching. That includes praying audibly. That includes all of that, evangelizing, all of that stuff. There is worship that involves speaking. 
I love this scripture in Acts 16, chapter, verse uh, 25 and 26. This is, this is, I love this because I try to imagine this. It says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Then suddenly there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Didn't matter where they were at. Didn't say they were in a temple, right? Huh? They were locked up. They were in jail. They were in prison at midnight. It wasn't like 11 o'clock Sunday morning in the temple. They were in jail, midnight, lights out. They decided, you know what? Who knows a hymn? Let's go ahead and sing a hymn. I want to thank you. They started singing. Somebody brought the word. They started preaching. All of a sudden, stuff started shaking up. Stuff started rattling. Stuff started moving. The earth started to shake. Because at that moment, didn't matter where they were. They began to worship God where they were, giving their all, singing and preaching and praying. And all of a sudden, God said, you know what? I hear you, baby. I'm feeling you, honey. I'm going to go ahead and shake some things up and free you. I'm going to shake some things up and release you from this earthly bondage. Okay, I'm not talking about the prison, by the way just in case y'all missed it. He wasn't breaking the shackles uh, or, or, or the doors of the prison they were in physically. People that were there were freed. As a matter of fact, let me tell the story a little bit more. There was a guard who was on duty at the time, and when he saw that the doors were open, Paul and Silas, who could have ran and escaped from the prison, decided they would stay there. This man, this, uh, the guard who was on duty there, saw that they, were about, that they could have escaped. He was so distraught, he was going to kill himself. But Paul said, no, baby, don't you do that. It's okay. God is not, God is forgiving you. And he blessed them and all of this stuff. That guy, that security officer left, went home, brought his family to Christ. See, see, their worship wasn't for them. They worshiped God. He freed not them just from prison, but those who were imprisoned around him. That's how worship should be. It should be so powerful in your life that it just bleeds off of you, that your light is shining so bright that when you walk by your neighbor, they say, mm, whoa, what was that? When you say hello to somebody, like, oh, whoa, hallelujah, what was that? When you give somebody a dat, they just start getting in the spirit. It should be that powerful. Your worship should be that powerful that just at a wink of somebody, somebody is saved. Somebody is healed just by your wink. Somebody is, is blessed by your smile. Because your lifestyle is a place of worship. Where you go, what you do is all worship. It doesn't have to happen for Sunday morning. Now, now, now listen, I need y'all to still come on Sunday morning. Because God did say a symbol. So we have to come together. It strengthens us. It builds us up. But I don't want your worship to stop. When the clock hits 12, we set up and put the chairs and table and all of this stuff away. And all of a sudden, it's like, I can't wait till next Sunday to do it all over again. Come on. What are we telling God? You're only worthy of our worship on Sunday morning, although you bless us every day of the week, every hour. Okay. Three kinds of worship. Worship that involves speaking. That's where we're singing and, and, and doing sermons. Some of y'all know about that. Some of y'all have been just like Paul and Silas. 
Huh? Y'all had that midnight type of prayer where you couldn't sleep. God had you up. Better yet, sometimes life has you up. You're trying to figure out the next step. You all stressed out and distraught, and you up in the middle of the night, and all you know how to do is begin to praise and sing. You find you an old hymnal, and you start singing, and watch, don't God shake the gates off of the prison that you're currently in. I'm talking to somebody this morning. The second kind of worship is worship that involves listening. You mean to tell me, Pastor B, that listening is worship? And I want to tell you, yes. Because if we don't listen, then everything we sing about is in vain. If we don't listen and respond to what God is saying to us in our worship, then everything we're singing about is in vain. Oh, God, you're so great. I'm going to stretch my hands to heaven until I can reach heaven. Oh, you're so wonderful. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. Oh, God, you are so wonderful. You're so this. You're so that. And then how do we respond to his greatness? The one way we can respond is listening receiving instructions. If we read the Bible from from the beginning all the way to the end where the maps are located, everything required prayer and action. But you can't react to what you're praying or praising about unless you are listening. Because if you pray and then go and God didn't give you instruction, you're following you. If you pray and praise and then go, and didn't take the time to listen, you're moving on your own accord. You know better than what God can do. That's what you're saying in essence. It requires listening. Let me give you some scripture so you know that I'm not making this up. I love what the psalmist is saying. As a matter of fact, it's David who says this in Psalm 27. And then he says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. My heart, that means that he was in an intimate relationship with God, and it went just like this, boom, bam, boom, bam, to the heart. He didn't say, God, I heard what you said physically in my ear. I heard you audibly. I got the memo. Thanks for the text or the email, God. He says, no, my heart. In other words, what God was saying to me while I was listening was so powerful, it caused my heart's ear to pay attention. And my heart had responded to my body and told my mind, we need to move. It's a big difference when you're listening with spiritual ears and your heart is the responder and not yourself. Big difference. And David, David of all people was saying, my heart, my heart. David, who went through all type of trials, who's been on a run half his doggone life, writes this, my heart responds. This guy, when you read enough of the Psalms, you see he was asking a lot, protect me, God. What's next for me, God? Oh, they after me, God. Save my people, God. Help our army, God. All the time. And then he says, you know what? My heart finally caught up with, with you. And we get it. And here we come. And I think some of us sometimes in this room need that. 
We need to get out of way of self. We need to get out of way of waiting for the song to come on and get out of the way of a pastor to say something right. A lot of people ask me to pray for them, and I lo- listen, I love to pray. I'll pray anywhere, however you want me to pray. I'm begging. I'm, I mean, my, my latest prayer is that God would bless me with the, the gift to speak in tongues. I want all of the gifts that he has available. I want all of it, man. I just want to be like supernatural with, with the stuff he can give me. You know what I mean? And people always say, man, pray for me. And I say, I'll pray with you. Because here's what I want you to know. The prayer field is level. You know, the, the, the veil came down. You don't need me to get Jesus anymore. I'm just going to help you understand why we do this. But you don't need pastor no more. See, once the wall came down, you can walk right in just like the priest could now. You can go directly to God and cut the middleman out. Now, don't fire me. I love my job here. But I'm just saying. Now, if you ask me for prayer, of course, I'm going to pray with you. But I want you to know that I'm praying with you, not for you. Okay, I'm praying with you. We are, we are touching and agreeing in prayer. I'm not praying for you. I'm praying with you because you don't need me. You know what I mean? We can do this together. Amen. I love what, what Paul was saying to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 6 and 18. He tells me, he says, pray in the flesh at all times. Huh? I missed something. What did what, I say? The flesh, right? I said it's flesh, right? Somebody's paying attention. Amen. Pray in the spirit. Do you notice the Spirit is capital letter referencing God? It's the same capitalization that, that, that we find in the earlier Scripture where it says pray and, and God is the Spirit. It's the same type of capitalization. So what he's saying is, let me fix it. Let me make it plain. Pray in God woo, at all times and on every occasion. Watch this. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Whoa. Wait, 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 wait. I got to pray for other folk too? Is that, that's what that scripture's saying? You doggone right. And you're praying in God for not just you, but for other people. Persistently. All the time. Make it part of your lifestyle. Your lifestyle should represent a lifestyle of worship. And part of worship is your prayer. So when you are listening and meditating, that is indeed worship. You need to be a, have a lifestyle of prayer as a true worshiper. Praying in the Spirit is just like praising in the Spirit our God. Y'all will get that. Y'all will get that. Pray in the Spirit at all times. See, God loves it when we worship him, in, worship him in our devoted prayer. He loves it. It's an awesome way to start the day because you find God's Holy Spirit fills you and can't help but let your light shine to the rest of the world. That 40 days of prayer was incredible because it was the first and best hour, and we gave it to the Almighty so many of you said how wonderful your days went because you started with prayer. And I, I pray that, that your lifestyle is still the same where you get up at 6 a.m. in the morning. I haven't even changed my alarm. I'm, I, I kept my alarm the same. I still get up at 4.30. And then I'm in, I'm in my closet, literally in my closet with my Bible, got my worship music on, and I'm praying. Man, my journal is so good. I can't wait to publish it. It's going to be some good stuff. I'm telling you, it's going to be a bestseller. Got a feeling. I got a feeling. Y'all touching the group me on that. Amen. <laughs> but that's because I'm devoting that time in prayer. Amen. Here's a third and final thing I want to give you. Three kinds of worship. Worship that involves speaking. Come on, talk back to me. Worship that involves speaking. Worship that involves listening. 
Worship that involves doing. Worship that involves doing. See, when you're listening and you're paying attention, God is going to give you instruction. Early this morning around 9 a.m., I was in this room with another person and the Holy Spirit. It's me and Elizabeth just all in this place. I mean, we try not to bump into each other. This place was empty, but we're just walking and praising our God and just praising and praying out to him. And at one point, I heard him say, shut up. Shut up. And I said, okay. And I began to listen, listen, because the stuff that I was asking him for in the prayer, he's like, shut up. You keep asking me, but when are you going to let me respond? You're just bumping your gums. Shut up. And so I stood there for a minute. I stood right there on that stage and just began looking right there at that clock, just looking and looking. And all I could do was like, thank you, Lord. Because while I was listening, he began to give me instruction. He began to tell me some stuff. He even let me see a little bit of the future. But I had to shut up and listen so that I could hear his instruction. And now I have to go. I have to do what he says do. I have to do. There's worship that involves doing. I love Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, verses 15 and 16. You find these words. This is Paul speaking to the Hebrews. He says, therefore... Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Here's the important part. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Part of your doing is giving. Giving of your time, your talent, your money. Though Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice and eradicated the sacrificial system of the old covenant. See, there was an old covenant. It was a system. You gave peace offering, uh, burnt offerings, all these different offerings. There was a system that God himself had in place for the old covenant. But when Jesus walked up on Calvary, carrying his cross, and was crucified for you and I, the sacrificial system was dead. But it does not mean he does not still require a sacrifice to be brought to him as an offering. And the sacrifice that we bring to him now, we find in Romans 12. He says, give your lives, make your lives a living sacrifice for me. Every step you take, every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. I know that's a song, but it's godly. Huh? I got a lot of songs in me. God is speaking to me today through songs for some reason. That wasn't even part of my notes, but it was just in me. Really, though, because he's omnipresent, because he's omniscient, because he's omnipotent, he is indeed watching every step, every move, and all of the above. And he's asking us, how do we worship him in spirit and in truth? Watch this. How does he work? By having a lifestyle or worship that involves doing, he gave his body as a sacrifice. We give our lives as a living sacrifice through our time, talent, money, and obeying what he's called us to do. When we obey the commands he gave us, we worship. When he does, when we do what he says do, we worship. 
when we extend love to people who we really don't want to, we worship. When we give when it hurts, we worship. When we give financially to our local church so that our local church can do so much more for the community that we're in and the world that we know, we worship. Not when we just come to this place. When we extend our hand to our brothers and sisters, not as a handout, but a hand up, we worship. When we do, we worship. And all of us are called to be doers. I want to say this. Our worship doesn't end when the service is over. Worship means that we leave the service so aware of God's greatness that we find ways to obey and honor and serve him throughout the week. When I do the benediction, worship begins, not ends. Oh, that was good for me. When I do the benediction, worship begins and not ends. We don't start at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. We start around 1230 Sunday morning and begin to worship all week by doing what he said to do. Now, part of your worship does begin around 12 o'clock when we take the offering, but that's part of the worship. It's giving. That's part of your, your worship. There's a worship that is giving praise upward. There's a worship that is receiving instructions from above. And then there's a worship that carries out the instruction in the world around us. We need all three. Because if we don't have all three, if we only focus on praising God and not listening, then we have to question if we actually believe the songs that we're singing. If we don't believe and carry out all three, we have to question if we actually believe that he is mighty. Uh, If we don't carry out all three of those things where we're praising, receiving, and going out and doing, we have to question if we believe that he is indeed a healer. Uh, I can go on and on. Don't make me go down my whole song list on y'all. If we don't do all three, we have to question if we believe the songs in our hymnals. It requires us to do all three. Worship should affect our behavior. Here's my final thing I want to share with you. Are you responding to God in spirit and in truth? In other words, is your lifestyle that of a true worshiper? I'm going to give you a test. Write down these questions. And if, and if, and if you write these questions down and answer and say, you know what? That's not me. And I challenge you and charge you to make some adjustments. It's a threefold test. It's very simple. First question is, does your worship glorify God? Does your worship build up the body of Christ? Does your worship Build up the body of Christ. Finally, does your worship help you be what God has called you to be in this world? Does your worship help you to be what God has called you to be in this world. And if you can't answer any of those questions, 
in the affirmative. Make the shift. Make the adjustment. And here's the thing. Those questions cause you to think outside of Sunday morning. Those questions, if you answer correctly, cause you to move outside of these four walls. Those questions should cause you to make an impact in the world. Can't do it just in this room. So if you answered those questions and couldn't answer them in the affirm, make the shift, make the adjustment. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.